host DJ Mitchell here to go over the riveting fun 10 p.m. Eastern time start Friday slate. We have two games on, as I already alluded, if you're on the East Coast, they both start at 10 p.m. So it'll be a late night uh, for us gambling on two six over-unders as of right now. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be at least a, a fun slate, I guess, in general, if you're playing the DFS, because there's a lot of goal upside and not any team that's a huge, huge favorite here. Um, so yeah, let's just get right into it. No sense in waiting around. We're going to have Winnipeg on a back-to-back against Vancouver in Vancouver. The fire bending chance will continue. Um, he addressed the media on Thursday, said a bunch of stuff that didn't really mean anything. And Vancouver at 5-10-2 goes up against a very, very good Winnipeg team. But as I mentioned, on a road back-to-back, they played Edmonton on Thursday night. So waiting results as a record right now. But the way I see it is... I just am taking Winnipeg. They're the much better team. Vancouver's a mess. I do think Vancouver played pretty freaking well, um, all things considered, against Colorado on Wednesday night. They got the loss, but, I mean, they looked good. I I watched most of that game, and I really was impressed by just how great that, um, you know, Connor Garland looked and and others. So I do think on this slate you can talk me into a lot of shot props because I think the pace will be at least decently to – higher than normal for a team on a road back-to-back because Winnipeg has pushed pace pretty well. Um, So I do think this matchup offers a lot of DFS upside, as I already alluded to, and I would be willing to bet minus 120 Winnipeg all day long. I just don't really see any need to take Vancouver when they're this bad. Um, I think the main reason for Vancouver is just because of the depth that they seem to have in their top six. It's just not rolling on all cylinders, we should see similar lines unless if they get blown up by Edmonton. Ellers, Cop, Shifley, Connor, Dubois, and Wheeler. The power players are pretty scattered. Um, Morrissey, Schmidt, and Pionk see a little bit of time within the units. Um, so stacking options, I would just kind of run through the, the, that top six, run through the five on five. You will get correlations with Cop and Ehlers on one unit, uh, Shifley on the other, Dubois kind of the standalone on the other unit. And then, oh, Dubois is with Wheeler on one unit and then Connor's on the other. So a little bit weird, but Connor is kind of one of those guys that will stay out there a little bit longer. They like to have him be the best shooter on the team. He has been shooting an absolute metric ton as of late. His shot props are probably not going to be correct again. Um, I'm guessing it'll be three and a half. I still like the over here. I have no problem ever, ever targeting Vancouver. They give up a lot of shots. So I think he'll be really strong. Um, I won't even mind taking potentially Shifley as he's not on that same line anymore with him taking away his shots. But I think Ehlers is even a little bit stronger at two and a half. It's probably going to be not the greatest equity in the world, but it is what it is. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't get away from the top six unless if you really think they're going to absolutely annihilate them, uh, well, them being Winnipeg annihilating Vancouver, uh, I, I just don't really see that happening, even in a game where Winnipeg won five to two. And granted, there was an empty net goal at the end. Cop, Connor, Shifley, Dubois, Ehlers, and Wheeler all saw 20 minutes of ice time. So no reason to get too cute with it. As far as Vancouver is concerned, the top four are the guys that really get it done for them, which would be Besser, Miller, Pedersen. That line all correlated. It could change um, as they didn't score at all and they got scored on. And then Horvat gets a little bit of a boost. He kind of rolls with the other units a bit more he saw a decent amount of time with garland i'd be somewhat surprised if garland doesn't move up 
with Horvat on this slate. Uh, and that would be a, a nice, I think a little bit contrarian look potentially um, with Garland not on the top power play, although things could change. Um, but where I'd really like to look at it is at Quinn Hughes, who I think will be a little bit under-owned to not owned much at all. People will be trying to get the Winnipeg defenseman, and I think Bacar will be super-duper popular for Colorado. So as far as DraftKings is concerned, I really do think a lot of people will key in on just other guys in general. And Quinn Hughes at 5,100 doesn't quite feel right to me. Um, he's been shooting a bit more this year than we've seen. Hasn't really found the goals, but has 14 and 16 for points. And I do think that this is a, a fair matchup for Vancouver to still put up pretty good pace like we saw against Colorado against a team on a back-to-back. So I'm going to be trying to get variations with Quinn Hughes in there. Brock Besser was the best rate shooter for them last time out. I really do think if he's playing with Miller and Pedersen, that is going to be more often than not the case. Um, just because both of those guys profile to be a bit more passers in, the, in their own right, Miller's been better this year at shooting. I mean, there's no denying it, but I don't think that that's going to be extremely sustained over the long run. He's kind of already reverting back to him, his old self. Um, so I do think that'll be the case here. So I really like uh, Besser, Besser's shot props. Um, you can really talk me to a lot of different point props here because I do think there'll be goals, you know, six over under. And I, I kind of like the over even on a back-to-back for Winnipeg. I just think that there's a lot of avenues for the goals to come. And Winnipeg is just not going to play Hellebuck again. He's projected to play a back-to-back against Edmonton. Eric Comrie's been good, but it's Eric Comrie. I think he could be a little bit susceptible and that could push the pace even a little bit more. So I like the over here a, a decent bit, um, but, you know, it play with caution anytime a team's on a road back-to-back. Moving on to the final game, the second game, Colorado at Seattle. Uh, you know, Philip Rubauer and uh, was it Janmark or Jankrok, well, former Colorado Avalanche players. But overall, in, in this game, I mean, it's hard to bet the Kraken because of just how bad they've been. I mean, we're talking about a 4 11 and one team that has had atrocious goaltending. I would say maybe the worst goaltending in, in the league. I mean, they're flirting with last year's flyers for how bad the goaltending has been. And I hate to say it, just Grubauer has not worked out as at this point. It's almost been impressive just because they seem to control, you know, I wouldn't say that they've been world beating at controlling um, the play and controlling possession. There's the word I'm looking for, but man, have they just gotten just every game. It just seems like, and they play Chicago and they still get smacked. It's been really tough um, for them. Also, Don Scoy was the player that used to be in Colorado. Totally messed that up. But important news or notes here is that Donato looks like he's going to play with Gordon Tanev, which definitely moves Donato up a good margin. And I think he could be pretty overlooked here. He's a really, really good rate shooter. Um, And and just Seattle in general is going to be all of the value. Uh, You know, people are going to play it without a doubt in my mind, people are going to find a way to convince themselves of, of guys like Vince Dunn, who saw work with both power play units. Um, Giordano, who hit the blocks bonus in the first period. Uh, he's 6K, but, you know, there is upside to that type of a player when people just won't have it. Um, but I do think that some of the value pieces from Seattle are going to be in play, and Donato might be a bit of an unlock key. He's a guy that has five shot on goal upside. He has kind of all of the tools you're looking for, just not the minutes. Uh, when he gets over 15 minutes in a night, he is one of the best values on any slate, without a doubt in my mind. I know I'll find a way to get him in. Um, Yanni Gord did not play on either power play unit. I don't know why. 
it seems like you're kind of cutting your upside up a little bit there. He did play the most minutes for the team anyways, though. So I still think at 4K for Gord, if he's playing out there with a guy like Donato, you know, I think that's something worth taking a stab at as a two-man stack. There really isn't one individual shot prop that I'd be overly bullish on for Seattle. Um, you know, Everly seemed to be the guy. He's fallen off a bit. Not, I mean, that line in general with Wenberg and Everly and Schwartz is just, it got caved in against um, Chicago. It, they, they just got absolutely annihilated. I'm not going to go back to that well. I, I think just right here, even though there's a really good power play correlation um, with Wemberg and Everly, I just don't think I'll go back here. Um, Johansson is, has also been a guy that I'm guessing some simulators will really like at 2,900 top power play. And he's just been shooting enough to where I think he's viable. Um, but I'm not saying it's something you've got to find a way to make sure you get in your lineups by any stretch. He's playing with McCann and Yonkrock. I think that's fair. Um, they don't correlate on the power play. McCann's been on the second unit. So that isn't fantastic. There's not a lot of good correlating pieces. Over it with Colorado, they were, I mean, they made a, a few different changes throughout the game. I don't know where it's going to land. As the game ended, Borakovsky finally got the jump to the top line. He was on the first power play. He was out there for both of their goals. Didn't get a point when I, of course, played him to get a point because why would he? Um, so Burakovsky was, like I said, at the end of the game, took over for Logan O'Connor, who was obviously a really good value. And I know, I think it was either Cecil or whoever talked about it. I know he mentioned him and I know he didn't get there. At the end, he got a couple shots to at least save face. But um, I think Burakovsky will be back with that top line. Obviously confirm it before you set your lineups. But Landis called Grantin and Burakovsky is going to be the most popular stack on the slate. It's not going to surprise anyone. Um, Rantanen is really, really, really expensive. I do think it's justifiable. Um, and like I mentioned, you can't afford it because there is that value. And it's a two-game slate. So on DraftKings, I mean, just pick pick your, you know, pick your five-man stack. If your five-man stack is Colorado, okay, build that lineup. So go, go Makar, go Landeskog, go, like I said, Burakovsky instead of O'Connor and Makar and then you know I mean Kadri would make the most sense but boy could luck fitting that all in um but I and I think there could be a way to do it but I really do think if you're playing on DraftKings you're cutting your upside at least in a, a third by not playing a four or five man stack on this late just I would not do it um reason being is that one team you know I mean it's not a perfect science okay but more than likely one team will score you know, four goals like Colorado did. And the winning lineup is going to have the most of those goals. So if you played like I did, ranted at Landeskog, you did okay. And you broke even. If you would have put Kadri and Makar in there, and, you know, maybe even, you know, I don't know. I, I think those were the, really the four. And Devin Tay's going to work too. Um, you got there and you probably won all the money. I had a few different variations with Ogan O'Connor and Burakovsky. You know, unlucky, but I do think you can go back to it. Um, Obe Kubel was supposed to be on the first power play unit. He was not. He only saw 10 minutes. Um, so, yeah, kind of Xing him out. Um, I'm not really that interested in a lot of these value pieces for Colorado just because I don't think Seattle is quite as bad as the record indicates. And I don't really want to be playing 
Uh, guys like Alex Newhook against, I think, pretty decent center core in Wenberg, Gord, and McCann, who could just kind of, I think, take take them out of the game almost completely. So, yeah, I think it's, if you're playing Colorado, you just play the top guys. Kadri's not going to get overlooked on this slate like he may have been last time. But my biggest advice on this slate, number one, five-man stacks if you're playing on DraftKings, four-man minimum, at least have four. Um, and I don't really care what team you do it with because if you do Colorado – you're going to get, you know, maybe not duped, but you're going to have a lot of people that do that. So you're going to need that perfect differentiator. Um, you're going to need that minimum salary defenseman that gets five blocks and, and puts up three shots and gets a point. Uh, you know, good luck. You're going to be really kind of throwing a, a dart at the, or no, whatever, you know, throwing a dart at the board, trying to get that done. So yeah, overall here, that's my biggest advice. Number two advice I think would be just, you just take you just take uh, Winnipeg and you take Colorado and and you move on. I'm not really that interested in betting Vancouver or Seattle, even though they're the home teams that are plus money. So yeah, but I mean it's just two pretty big mismatches. Colorado is red hot right now. Um, and then lastly, I think any shot prop for Ealers, Connor that you find and like is going to be good. Shop it around. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook has actually been pretty competitive this year, so I do think go there first. Give it a look. Uh, and then lastly, um, one thing that I retweeted, I know Pat Mayo also retweeted it, but there's a really, really good thread. If you don't follow me on Twitter, at DJ underscore Mitchell, if you're playing parlays, especially prop parlays, I would think you're doing yourself a huge disservice by not reading it. It really goes over just how to maximize your parlays. And I'll just give one little piece of it just so you kind of are in the know, okay? So if you're playing a five, let's say a five-man, you know, five parlay, Okay and you're going to do five props, and you feel really good about five props, if they're all negative equity, you're just cutting your EV down by way more than you may think over the kind of compounding interest, as the guy calls it, theory. Um, if you take, you know, if you're looking through the prop bets, try to start by just going through, maybe if you have any sort of a simulator, or um, if, you, if you're looking to get more information on some players that might project better, but taking a few plus money props is really where you're going to get your best value and with the books just not catching up quickly enough so what i mean by that is a guy like burakovsky may end up with getting a point at like plus 115 and if you find out he's in that first line you jam that right away and now you're getting yourself a much better edge uh i think this guy explains it better than me i'll retweet it again definitely check that out though because i think that gambling theory as far as props uh, player props has not come along very far yet it's pretty new still and i know a lot of people are finding some small edges some people are finding a lot of, of luck and some people are a little bit miserable potentially right now so definitely check those out um and like i said i already retweeted it on my twitter pat mayo retweeted it on his twitter it's really really interesting and you know you'll notice some of the guys like awesome doing it and doing well with it so check that out if you have any questions, I'm always open, DMs, um, et cetera. And yeah, I think that'll probably do it for this podcast. I went probably way longer than I should have for two games, but I hope you enjoyed it and got something out of it. Um, if you have any questions, like I said, please DM me. But number one, if you're playing DraftKings, two games late, run a four, run a five, if you want to win. I mean, if you want to just cash out, I mean, if you're making a cash lineup, whatever, but if you're trying to win a slate, four or five man stacks. Trust me. If you win and that new, and that advice helped you win, let me know. Have a good one, everyone. Mm-hmm.